0: I don't know if you've seen this, but the Dallas Morning News had a story of a 15-year-old boy who was at the center of the courtroom drama when he was challenging the court ruling over who should have custody of him. It's a hardcore uh, battle in the courtroom. And the boy has a history of being um, just violated and just um, um, just um, beaten and and had issues with his parents who were just violent toward him. And the judge initially awarded custody to the aunt next next to him because you wanted to try to keep it in the family and uh, keeping the child in, in, in relationship with custody laws and regulations requiring that the family be maintained to the highest degree possible because they want the boy to stay in the family and wanted him to be a part of the family and so he just said to him to the to the courtroom and to the judge adamantly he refused to live with his aunt and, when this, and and they said, well, what about your grandparents? will not you live with your grandparents? And the boy said, he just started crying. He said, I, I don't want to live with my grandparents. They're even, what do you think it came from? What do you think the violence came from? Came from the parents. So they're even worse than the parents. And he said, well, what about your aunt? And he said, no, my aunt, she is violent. He said, we're talking about a violent family, Judge. I don't want to live with any of them. So the court adjourned took two recesses to try to find out references, to find out where should this Child, what should this this son be? The welfare officials looked and the judge said, this is what we're going to do. We are going to give you custody to the Texas Rangers baseball team because they don't beat anybody. And so therefore, (laughs) 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 anybody heard that story? Anybody have heard that story? Somebody sent it to me. And every time I read down, I get upset about it. Then they go, oh, you got me. I can't believe you. I get drawn in and I, I get upset about it. I can't believe I just wasted 10 minutes of my life. Wasn't it? <laughs> so anyway, they get me every time. I can't say that about the Cowboys and um, definitely can't. They, they've been playing really well, but the Rangers, Lord, mercy! I can't say that about them. Okay, we're talking about full custody and if you understand that, the battle still continuously belongs to the Lord, but the battle from the beginning of time has been that. Ever since Adam lost his uh, relationship, all the things that were going on in the garden that he was talking with him, and he lost that when he uh, ate of the tree, him and Eve, of uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that he lost that relationship. And so therefore, ever since that time, there's been a battle of custody. Who is going to have custody of their lives? Who is going, What's going to happen? It's been a fight. Heaven and hell. So hell is fighting for your life because they want you. Hell wants the Bible talks about the fact that hell has enlarged itself, but heaven also. Goodness and and, and then there's bad. And then there's darkness and light. There's been this custody battle they want, because hell wants you, and Satan wants to, to do everything he can to keep you, because the Bible says in John 10:10, 10, 10, but the thief. Come, but not only for only that word. You, you got a picture. It. It's only that there's no other reason why he exists right now. The only reason why he exists is to kill, to steal and to destroy. And as Dr. Mark Rutland said last week that I have come, Jesus said this, I have come that you might have you might have a life and that you might have it. More abundantly. And that's what God has sent his son to die for. But there's, but there's been this custody because God's like, I I have come that you might have life. I, my desire is that not one person would perish. And so the father already had a plan. Aren't you glad about this? Father already had a plan from the beginning. How do you know this? Because the Bible says before the foundation of the world was laid, that the lamb was slain. Aren't you glad about that? That there was a plan from the beginning. There was no, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what's going on with COVID. I don't know what's going on with all this stuff. I don't, he's not doing that. He goes, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I have already have a plan in place. And so the Father set in motion these things so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. The truth of the matter is, though, is that when he's talking about custody, custody battle, what, there's a ton of things that go into that. But I am excited to tell you that before I even start this journey of this message, the end result is, is that Father won custody of us. Aren't you glad about that? When we, were, when we were kids, we used to say this to our sister. She's the only girl in the house. And we, we, we apologize to her all the time. And, Andrea, if you're watching this, I, we apologize, I apologize again. We were mean to her. We were so mean to her. My, I, I didn't forgot about all this uh, when I went to preach at my dad's church. And he goes, I need to say something about myself. Dad's always, that's why I don't have him come preach often because they got stories. Um, but... <laughs> Um, they, but he was saying, my son locked my daughter in the trunk, you know, and I was like, who did that? And he's, you, I I did that. I locked her in the trunk. There's so many things. We were so mean to her. And, uh, there was one time, one time that we, um, um, you know, my brother, I can't believe we did this. Anyway, you guys remember the Cabbage Patch dolls? Remember the Cabbage Patch? We ripped all the hair off that, out of that doll, and then we'd get a permanent marker and wrote Phil Driscoll on the, on the front deal because Phil Driscoll was losing his hair. And we did that, took a shotgun, shot the doll, and um, and gave it back to her. And I'm telling you, we were just so mean. So I am trying to get her here for free indeed. Uh, she needs it big time. <laughs> So jacked up, those things that we did to her. And so, therefore, under, I love you. I'm sorry about those things. But we used to say to her all the time, you know you're adopted. We would say that to her. Isn't that mean? We said, You know you're adopted. And so she'd go crying to my mom. She'd go, Mom, they told me that that I was adopted. She goes, No, you're not adopted. And and you, you need they need to stop that. You're not adopted. And so she'd come back, she goes, There, mom says that I'm not adopted. We'd be like, She's just telling you that because she wants you to feel good and she don't want you to, you know, you adopted. Look at you. You didn't even look different than us. And so, man, we come up with stories or whatever. And so we'd be so mean to her. But the truth of the matter is, in the kingdom of God, the adoption is a good thing. We'll change the narrative in the kingdom of God. The narrative changes when you come in the kingdom of God because you go, you do this. You go, you know, you're adopted. You say the same thing, but you go, you know, I'm adopted. You know, I'm adopted, right? What do you mean? I've been adopted into the kingdom of God. I've been adopted as a, as a son and the and the daughter of the king of kings and the lord of lords. They adopted me in a family. You know what else? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Not only that, the lord has blessed me and given me everything that I need that pertains to life and godliness. You know what else? I'm accepted in the beloved. You know what else? I am blessed beyond all measure. I have the mind of Christ. I get to think the thoughts of God. I get to walk in the willing ways of God and he has blessed me. You know what else? His angels has given charge over me that they keep me in my ways and they won't even let me dash my foot against the stone god is good my father is i got a good daddy he's a good daddy and i'm adopted you know i'm adopted right you know i'm adopted it changes the narrative it changes the narrative and so god wants to do that for you today so whatever you've thought whatever the issues that you've had where you're just like i don't know who i am is that you need to not only know who you are but whose you are i belong to jesus I belong to the Father. And so that's what he said. So here's what I'm going to talk to you. Turn your Bible to John chapter 14, and we're going to read it. So there's three different uh, works that have happened that I want you to hear about today. And here's what it is. Um, First, when you get ready to do a custody battle, there is the groundwork. Everybody say groundwork. The groundwork is, means that the lawyers have to go in and try to find out exactly what's happened. What actually is going on? And if we're going to award if we're going to award custody to an individual, we've got to know what has been done and what's the, the, the framework of what we're doing. Who has been taking care of the child? Who has been making sure that the child has everything that they need? Who's making sure that the education and everything is going? The groundwork has to be done. And so, therefore, this is what God has done during the groundwork. John 14, verse 1 says, Jesus is saying this, let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me and my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you and if I go to prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you will be also Isn't that good news <laughs> it's really good 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 news for us to realize he said I where I am where I am there you may be also verse four and where I go you know and the way, you know, and then Thomas, this is what I love about the disciples. If I would have been there, I, I, I love that when I tell you that put yourself in the scriptures, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't have a clue where you're going. And how can we know the way? And Jesus answers, said, I love the way Jesus answers. He goes, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Right? So he goes, we don't know the way. He goes, You're looking at him. I'm the way. And so here's what I want to tell you. I want you to look up here just for a second. If anybody else tries to tell you that there's other ways to God, stop that. There's no other way to God. If anybody else tries to tell you that there's other, that there's all faiths and we all are joined together and we're all, we are created to try to follow all. You find your way. You find your way. I find my way. Stop it. It's not true. Jesus is the only way to the father. There is no other way except through Jesus. God has set it in motion. Come on now. He set it in motion that Jesus is the only way. And they're going to say, well, you're narrow-minded. Well, narrow is the way that leads to life. <laughs> I follow the yellow brick road. I'm following the road that leads to life. But broad is the way that leads to destruction. I'm not following that way. I call me narrow-minded. Tell me that, you know, you don't, you're not thinking you know progressively. You go, Listen, you can progressively be going to hell <laughs> by not choosing Jesus. So, if you, if you came in and it's your first time, you're just like, wow, they really are, like, they just really believe that that's the way. And yes, we do. <laughs> and Jesus is the only way. I'm not changing my mind on that. It's not up for debate, not up for discussion. Jesus is the only way to the Father. And so he says that. Jesus, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then this, this is what I love about it. This is where I'm getting to. Verse 7, where it says, and so um, where the truth is, is that he said that no one comes to the Father except for me. And then he says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. They go, you've seen the Father. You've seen the Father. You know him and seen him. Philip says to him in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father. If you show show us the Father, it'll be sufficient for us. It'll be good for us. You don't have to say anything else. We'll believe you if you just show us the Father. And this is what Jesus said to him in verse 9. Have I been with you so long, and yet you've not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. You see me working? You've seen the miracles? You've seen the things? It's me, but it's not me. It's the Father. But it's like the Father, like Dr. Mark Rutland was saying. It's the Father, but it's really me, but it's the Father, because I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, and we're one. And so, you know, they're just blowing their minds. They're like, you know. And the truth is, like, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's not, it's not, you're not trying to separate, we're, we're one. I do the works that the Father sent me to do, and because I do those works, you're looking at them. Well, show me, who's your daddy? You're looking at them. <laughs> Amen? So here's what we do, though, and I want you to listen to this. Some of the things we do, though, is we we project our earthly, the image of our earthly Father on Father God, because whatever father you've had, you, you try to be like, that's what a father's supposed to be. Now, my father, he was a good dad. He was, he, no, he still, I said like he was dead. He was a good dad. He was, he's not, he's still alive. And he's, he's preaching this morning, actually right now in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. But the truth is, is that he was a good dad. He provided for me and he was, uh, he was there for me, made sure I, I mean, I ate well, obviously. And uh, there's a lot of things that, that he did, but here's the truth. Now, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't sit in my father's lap and and stroke his beard and say, "Daddy, I just love you." You know, I'm. just. I, just, I didn't. I, I mean, we. Our relationship would not be one on the hallmark channel. It would just not be one of those kind of relationships. It wouldn't be just a touchy. We just didn't have that. I remember two times that I ever sat in my dad's lap, and one was because he. Um, we didn't have enough room in the vehicle, and he and he. He said, "All right, sit in my lap." But I sat in his lap and I looked up at him, and he looked down at me like no funny business. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't to have to choke you right here in the car. You know what I'm saying? Because he, he, we didn't do that. We didn't walk around. My dad—I didn't even. Tell, my dad didn't even tell me he loved me until we, I like left for school, and I came back one time and I said, "Hey, love you, Dad." And he goes, "I love you too." And I was like, "What? What? What just happened?" Like I don't even. Did you? Did some Satan get the? I mean, I didn't even know. I never. <laughs> we didn't talk like that to each other. But but I found out when I left that he cried his eyes out and all that stuff. But I—he never. We didn't have that kind of relationship. But I knew he loved me. It was just kind of like you just, you know, a nod or whatever. And so some of your fathers may have been like that. Maybe he was in the home, but he wasn't there. Maybe he was abusive. Maybe there was some violence in the home. Maybe there was just bad examples or whatever. And some of you may have good fathers. You may have had great fathers. Your dad loved you. You played with him. He you know built a fort and all that stuff. He was a good father. I'm telling you right now, I try to be a good father. I remember when we first had our first child. I, I, I remember coming from home from the hospital, so scared. Like everybody's driving crazy. Stop. I got a baby on board. You know, everybody stop and let me go through you know I just I love this child you might know what I'm talking about don't show you laughing but you know what I'm talking about I love that child so much I try to be a good but there's things I fail at I mean I just failed I wasn't a good dad in some things but it doesn't matter because heavenly father is perfect and he has everything you need he's every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the father of lights who there's no variation no shadow of turning and he's done the groundwork if you've seen him you've seen the father he's done the groundwork Jesus has You know what else how he's done the groundwork? Can I tell you this? This is how he's done the groundwork. Jesus was in that ground for three whole days, and he defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he made sure that he snatched those keys so that you can have life and have it. The groundwork has been done. The groundwork has been laid. The groundwork has been final. It is finished. It is done. The groundwork has been done. You are in the kingdom of God for such a time as this. So number one, he's done the groundwork. You know how else I know that you've been adopted? Number two, he's done the paperwork. Right? I mean, there's a lot of paperwork that has to be done for custody. Somebody's got to do the paperwork. So I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. This is going to be good. You're going to to love this. The paperwork. Look at your neighbor and say, the paperwork. Paperwork. Do the paperwork. This is is really good. This is how I know he's done the paperwork on your life. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Can I tell you this morning, all your trespasses have been forgiven. All your sins have been blotted out because of what Jesus has done. And verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Now, let me stop there for a second. Let me tell you how good news that is. You don't, you didn't necessarily get that right there. Let me tell you how good that is. All the handwriting, all of the sins, all of the transgressions, all of the things that you ever did, all those things have been piling up your past, all the things that have kept you down, Your, all the things that have limitations and all the things that you couldn't do, and all the things that Satan has tried to put against you, the, the handwriting of those requirements, which you could not fulfill, by the way, you couldn't do it. You tried. You tried to press on it. You You tried to move forward in it, and you couldn't do it. All those handwriting requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out on the way, having nailed it to the cross. All of your sin was nailed to the cross. Isn't that good news? Oh, some of y'all don't know how good it is because if you know my past, you'd be like, "Oh, that's really good news." Maybe you hadn't sinned. Maybe you had. You, you were. You were. Maybe you were good. Goody two shoes. But I sinned. I was a professional sinner. Can I just tell you this? I was good at it. And I'm tell you what. There are things that I that I, I look back at and I'd be like, you know what? That no longer is effect, that affects me because it was nailed to the cross with Christ. And it doesn't hold me back any longer. It doesn't keep me from the future that God has for me any longer. It doesn't keep me from going forward any longer. Why? Because it's been written out. It's been blocked out. And it's been nailed to the cross. And the blood of Jesus covers all my sins. All of it. All the sins. I'm telling you, all of it. And so the handwritten, all that stuff. He's like, do you have this? No. Do you have this? No. I'm telling you what, I was guilty. Were you guilty? I was guilty, full of sin. The Bible said that there's not one righteous, not one. And that was me. Then all of a sudden, the gavel was about to drop. And they were going to be like, guilty, we sentence you to death because that's what I deserve. Then all of a sudden, my advocate walked in the courtroom. My advocate, whose name is Jesus. And this is what he said. He goes, listen, it's already been paid for. It's already been done. It's already been wiped out. He is free to go. He's free to go live the life that God has called him to live. And he's free to go and do what God has called him to do. Why? Because I've already paid the the price for him to be free and to go out and do the things that I've called him to do. It's been done. And if you're in the kingdom of God, he's your father. He's already done the paperwork for your life too. He's filled it out. And it's been nailed to the cross so that you can be free. Is that good news? Yes. Oh, I'm telling you, that's really good news. So he's done, he's done the groundwork. He's done the paperwork. And he's also done the blood work. Because the truth of the matter is, is we know that he shed his blood for us so that we can have life. And did he not shed his blood on the cross? Um, I I'm, I'm kind of ashamed to say this, but I'm pretty sentimental about a lot of things, and Vanessa is not, but I am, and so sometimes, but here lately, we have been enjoying some of the old worship songs that we used to listen to, and so I'm going to embarrass myself a little bit, Vanessa and Vanessa I have been listening to Sandy Patty. Anybody remember Sandy Patty? We listen to Sandy Patty. So we've been listening to, you know, some of the Maranatha praise music. And man, I've been listening to Dennis Journey again. I mean, I went all the way back. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about all the way to he touched me. Oh, he touched me. And all the joy that fills my soul. And I'm thinking, man, I can't believe that I would listen to that stuff, but then all of a sudden I hear, but something happened, and now I know I got happy while I was singing that song. <laughs> Took me way back. He touched me and made me whole. Anybody in here, he touched your life? Anybody in here that he's changed you and made you whole? I know I took, you, I took you on the way back. Sandy Patty was singing down the Via Dolorosa, and I'm like, I, I remember listening to Sandy Patty just loving that. You know, it wasn't something I could pull up with my friends and be like, what you listening to, Sandy Patty? You know what I'm saying? I couldn't. What you bumping in your car with them? With them? Sandy Patty? I couldn't, I couldn't let people know I was listening to Dennis Journey. I couldn't let people know that. But when I was by myself, I was listening to stuff. So I'm just telling you. And so I remember her talking about that, the, the real adult, but he shed his blood. And I was thinking about the fact that the blood work had been done and the requirement has been filled. And the veil and, and the temple was ripped in two. And he said, it is finished. And not only that, but there are no more sacrifices with bulls and goats. They don't have to kill a bull anymore. If you kill one, make me a steak because you're not required to, to, for my sins any longer it's not about what the bulls and the goats and the doves and all the blood they were crying because there was one sacrifice and one sacrifice for all of the sins and that sacrifice was the name, was Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, which paid all of the requirements that I need to be able to walk in the spirit of God and what he's called me to do. And I'm no longer required. Listen, so what does that mean? That means it's finished. That's the gospel. That's the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that it is finished and the blood of Jesus has satisfied the wrath of God. So when you see my name on the ledger that is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you don't have to be like Chris McRae. Oh, look at all these sins. Chris McRae, he's in the kingdom of God. He's He's in the family of God. And he's got a father that loves him so much Can I just tell you this morning, your father loves you so much. And if you don't have a a relationship with him, and this is what I'm telling you, it is not not a something that is a one-time event. You need a revelation of the love of the father every day. Oh, some of y'all didn't get that, but I'm going to say it again because I want you to get this. You need a revelation of the love of the father every day. And you know who makes it real? The Holy Spirit makes his love real to you. You can't, you can't, you, you be like, because that's what you do. I, I, he loves me. Yes, I know. He loves me. But do you know it in here? But do you know it in here? The spirit of God is the one that makes it the journey from the head to the heart where you know that he loves you. Listen, I try to be a good dad. I said that. I try to be a good dad. And my sons and my daughters, I love them. I love I love them all. You know, I, I joke with them and say, you guys are my, you are my favorite. And they go, which one of us? Are you? you are. And they go back and say, I'm his favorite. And they come back and say, you're your favorite. And they go, you said, I'm like, you're all my favorite. They go, that's not fair. And they say, yes, it is. It's fair. I don't have, I, you guys are all my favorite. I love y'all. I love every single one of you. But the truth is, is that Luke, who, who's as big as, he's bigger than me. Do you guys see how big the guy is? Yeah. You guys pray for me? <laughs> and he told me, he goes, dad, they need to stop telling me that I can take you. He goes, some of y'all have been telling him out there, you know, you can you take your dad. I go, what do you tell them when they say that? They go, I want to live. I want to live, that's right, because I told him, I said, man, you, anytime you feeling froggy, just go ahead and jump. You feeling froggy, what, I uh. my back be hurting, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> just that little move, I'd be like, oh, my back be hurting, you know? And so I told him, he's standing back there, he's standing back there, I told him, I said, I told him one day, I said, let me tell you something. I know who you think you are, I will drop you like a bad habit. So I told him, I wouldn't fight fair. I'd shoot him. I'd just flat out just shoot him. Mm, Fight fair. But I love him. He walks in the house like he owns a place. Why? Because he's like, that's my dad. He makes sure that everything's taken care of. Everything's done. Taken care of. He don't want him to wake up in the morning going, Father, can I have something to eat? You know, he doesn't do that. He walks in the refrigerator open, wide open, like like when he opens it, the refrigerator's gonna go, oh you know, he just opens it wide. Why? Because he know there's food in there. He got a mom that cooks for him, a daddy that makes sure that he has what he needs, and he just, he just walks in the house like he owns a place, you know. His name ain't on the deed, ain't paid one bill, but he knows. <laughs> they leave the lights on in the house, you know what I'm saying? They leave I told him, I said, man, when you guys, when y'all get y'all own house, I'ma walk in the house in your apartment, and I'm gonna leave all the lights on. I'm gonna turn all the lights on. I'm turning every light on. I want to look like a run. I'm like, I'm, I want it to look like a plane about to land And I want planes to be like, there it is right there, there i is. I'm gonna leave all the lights on, cause I want, and I'm gonna run the water for no reason. I'm gonna, I'm gonna open the refrigerator and just leave it open. And then I'm gonna ask, and then you're gonna ask, Dad, why you got your refrigerator open? I don't know. I'm gonna do all that, so I can't wait, I can't wait. Vengeance is mine, saith Dad. I will repay. Now, you're laughing, but here's the truth. I want him to feel that way, that he loves coming into that house because he's a son. And we have a relationship. We talk about all kinds of stuff. He come to me and talk to me about his future. We had a good conversation the other night. We have a good conversation. We talk about the girls. They come in, and they come and talk. You know, last night, um, sitting and talking with, with, with Ainsley, we're just sitting there talking. She's telling me stuff, and I'm just sitting there just looking at her, and she was just like, Dad, did you hear what I said? I go, no, sorry, I was just lost in your beauty. Because you look like your mother. Uh, And so I just, I just, I love my kids. I love them. They know I love them. But here's the truth I try to be a good dad. Here's what God says Jesus said this You fathers, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? Would you say that with me? How much more? How much more does your heavenly father know how to give, give, give good gifts? And give the Holy Spirit for those who would ask. So I'm in with this. He's done the groundwork, he's done the paperwork, he's done the blood work, and he's also done the final work. Because he said it is finished. Yeah. So I want you to hear this. Have you this morning realized how important your relationship and the revelation of their love of the Father that he has towards you? Now I'm asking ask you, I want you to hear this. Do you really know that he loves you? Like, yeah, I do. Do you know him and have a relationship with him to the extent that he wants to love you? Do you have that relationship where you just say, God, I had a revelation of your love the day before yesterday and yesterday, but I need a fresh one today. I need to know your love because it'll change you. It'll transform you. It'll, it'll cause all that, because here's what it is. The fear that's going on this pandemic, some people call it a plandemic. Anyway, um, <laughs> all this fear of all this stuff, what can get rid of that? What can his perfect love cast out? All fear. You get a revelation of his love, you won't be afraid. You get a revelation of his love, you won't walk in fear. How do you know? Mm-hmm. Because fear doesn't come from God. I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Right? And he says this. Not only that, he says, I have given you the spirit of adoption by which you cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit of adoption. And so if you don't have the spirit of adoption, you're saying this. You know you're adopted. But if you have the spirit of adoption, you go, I'm adopted. You know I'm adopted, right? I've been adopted into the kingdom of God such a time as this you know what the world needs the world needs believers sons and daughters who know who they are and they know who their daddy is do you know who your daddy is do you call him daddy do you say abba father do you know him as father do you know him as father differently than you knew him as father yesterday